0: we do it to jesus one more time can we just praise him it's all about him this morning father we thank you in jesus name god bless you all and uh, if you're a guest and friend you're new to tabernacle of joy we welcome you to the house of god and good morning tj can you greet someone next to you and you know and uh welcome them to the house of god and you know we are so excited that we can uh, worship together before you're seated i want us to pray for pastor if you're wondering where he is Uh, He's away in Australia. He's on a mission trip and uh, he's ministering in the church in Australia right now. So I want us to pray for Pastor Sister Hoya and uh, I think Abigail is there as well. Can we do that right now? Father, we want to commit, Pastor and the, the team that is there in Australia. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are Allowing our pastor to go and to bless the church in Australia. Lord, we pray, even in their service this morning, we ask God that you will open up the windows of heaven and just pour out your blessings upon them, oh God. Lord, we ask, oh God, that pastor will speak a now word for the church in Australia that will encourage them and also God to direct them, oh God, in the in the steps that you want them to take. Lord, we pray a, a special hedge of protection over them as well. Lord, protect them from any uh, harm of the virus or anything, God, that will distract them from what you called them to do. Lord, we bless our pastor this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Can all God's people say, Amen? Amen. amen. You may be seated. God bless you. And, you know, it's so good to um, be able to gather and worship and praise God together as a family. And this morning, I'm I'm excited to start. You know, I'm so excited. I woke up at 5. Uh, <laughs> you know, Brother Sam, you know, 5 is a, is a challenge. You know, the last time I did that was um, when Lauren had school bus. Okay, and I know that it's no coincidence. Um... I asked that this morning that you open your hearts every, and, and allow God to speak to you and um, I don't know how to begin because I feel this is so powerful that God has given me something this this week that I know has changed me and I think that some of you here uh, might be new to some of the things that I'm saying okay just give me time to break it down okay we're going to read and turn to your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 12 verse seven to 8. Amen. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7 to 8. I'm just going to read, okay? Then the Lord appeared to Abram, or Abraham, as some of you might know, and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Can everyone say an altar? Thank you. Who had appeared to him, and he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. This is Abraham. The Bible tells us that Abraham built an altar. It's interesting to note of the position where he built that altar. It was in between a place called Bethel, which is known as the house of God, and Ai, which is translated a place of ruin. Abraham built an altar between the ruins and the house of God. We go down to Genesis chapter 26 where we see his son Isaac at the same time in Genesis 26 verse 25. It tells us that Isaac, so he built an altar and called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servant dug a well. Once again, we see that Abraham was not the only one that built altars. Isaac, his son, continued the practice of building an altar. Jacob, Genesis 35, verse 6 to 7. So Jacob came to Luz, which is Bethel, which is the land of Canaan. And he and all the people who were with him, and he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel. Because there God appeared to him When he fled from the face of his brother. I want to show you in scripture that time and time again, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had one thing in common. What was it? They built an altar. This morning, I'm going to preach on this topic. Every generation needs an altar. Can we lift up our hands right now and let's pray. Father, Lord, this is your words, not mine. And Lord, we want to pray for all those that are gathered here this morning. Lord, that you'll open our hearts to receive, Lord, a spirit of revelation and understanding from your word. More importantly, Lord, we ask that your spirit will move and speak to the hearts of all those that are here. Bless the, the, the people of God as your word tells us that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. Lord, that you will loose an anointing, God, that will break every burden, every yoke. And Lord, that you release, oh God, every sickness from their body this morning and Lord, we thank you God for the blessing of your words this morning. In Jesus name can all God's people say Amen. Every generation needs an author. Every significant and successful man of God in the Old Testament was an author builder. You see, Abraham was not only known to be the father of the faithful. The Bible tells us he's known to be an altar builder. In fact, the Bible records of four instances where he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of God. You see, altar building only started after man's sin. As you know the story, when Adam and Eve sinned, God killed an innocent animal as a substitute for man's sin. And He clothed them with that animal. Ever since then, you will see Abel, the son of of Adam and Eve, built an altar to God and he offered the firstborns of his flock to the Lord as a sacrifice and as a worship unto him. Noah built an altar after the flood came down and everything was all and well again. He took the clean animals and he sacrificed that, 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 that clean animal unto the Lord. Noah was an altar builder. And then we have Abraham, we have Isaac and we read just now, Jacob followed suit. The children of Israel were also, was also till, told to build an altar. If you all went through UTB, you know the tabernacle plan, right? In the tabernacle plan, the first item and furniture before people entered into the holies of holies to meet the presence of God, they built an altar, a brazen altar of sacrifice. So you, some people ask me, what is an altar? So let me give you an example. It's not the one that you see your grandmother, this kind of altar. Let me understand what an altar is. You see, an altar is a structure sacrifice. It's a structure where sacrifices and offerings was made to God. It is usually a raised platform with a, with a flat surface. An altar is always representing a place of consecration where God gave His law to Moses. Before God gave His law to Moses, men of God were build altars which, with whatever material they were given. So let me give you an example. Okay, show the, show the picture. For example, if they will find rocks, okay, they will set up rocks and they will build an altar to the Lord and there they will sacrifice an animal there. And the Bible tells us that God responds to that sacrifice. Sometimes they're built with an altar of the earth where they use mud and clay and whatever dirt and they gather it together. This is what was told uh, by Moses to do, to build an altar made of the earth of the ground. You see, altars could be made by man-made constructs. And stuff like that. Let's look at the tabernacle plan. You can show the picture. You see, in the tabernacle plan, God gave the design to Moses for the children of Israel to build. And this brazen altar in the tabernacle was made of acacia wood overlaid with brass. The dimensions in Singapore, are 2.2 meters length, breadth. If I want to forget, it's like Yao Ming by Yao Ming. Okay, the basketball player. This is how I remember. When I saw dimensions, I thought okay. Tabernacle is Yao Ming by Yao Ming. Okay, the height is 1.35. Okay, so it's a bit shorter than that. And the edge of the altar were four horns used to attach the sacrifice. Just hang on there, okay? Let's follow with me for a while. The altar is the largest piece of furniture in the tabernacle plan. The largest piece. And when we read about altars in the Bible, we always talk about a person's desire to give themselves fully unto the Lord. Altars is a place where the divine and the earthly realm would intersect. Altars were the places where there is an exchange of communication between God and man. Where God begins to influence the earth. That's why when we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guess where it's done? It's done at the altar. You see, God responds actively to altar activity. So in summary, what do altars represent for you and I today? Firstly, the altar is a place where God meets with man. That's why in a service, we will ask you guys, in last time in Tabernacle we have what we call an altar call. Come to the altar, come to the front. And, and you come to the front, you make that choice to come. Nobody force you to come. You don't see pastors saying, i oh, come, i drag you, come to the front. No, you willingly come to the front because the Bible calls us living sacrifice. Means we choose to come to God, and when we come to the altar call, things begin to happen. How many of you here remember the day when you first received the Holy Ghost? When God filled you, and He filled you, and God, you spoke in another tongues, and you realized, Wow, the first time God filled me up. When did that happen? At the altar. Your children received the Holy Ghost at the altar. Your healing also was received at the altar. When we worship God, last time, remember Chinatown Point. Or oh, uh, spring, everywhere we went, we had an altar place. Unfortunately, because of COVID, you know, we don't have an altar. But one day, I believe we will have an altar where we can come and worship God freely because God responds to altar activity. And it's a place of worship and surrender where people, I remember when, when I first received the call of God, you, some of you received the call of God in your life. Where were you? You were in DCD, Deep Call of Deep, our year-end camp, and you were lying at the altar and you were praying and you said, God, I will do anything. I'll go anywhere. Just use me. It was an altar. The altar is a place that reminds us that we did not make ourselves, but we were bought with a price. You see, every time you approach the tabernacle plan, They sacrifice an animal. Likewise, when we come to the altar, we remind ourselves that Jesus was the one that died on the cross for us and His blood gave us life this morning. It was what Jesus did that allowed us to draw near to Him. I have no way of drawing near to God unless Jesus first gave us His blood. You see, the altar is a place of God's presence. It's a place where the fire of God will come down and not just consume us, but to also purify us. The altar is a place of cleansing. It's a place of renewal. Let me tell you why altars are so important in the Bible. Because when Israel was in ruin and Jerusalem was torn down, when the people wanted to rebuild Jerusalem, the first thing they built was not the temple. What was the first thing they built? They built the altar first. And I submit to you that if your life today is in ruins, you're struggling emotionally, financially, You're struggling with sin. You're struggling with doubt. You're dealing with something in your life relationally with somebody or or offense or whatever. The first place that needs to be rebuilt is not to solve the problem. You got to build an altar. You got to meet God someplace in your life and say, God, I'm stuck. I'm in ruin. I need you. Just like Abraham, he built an altar between the ruins and the house of God. We need a place where we can let heaven and earth intersect and come into your life. Because God, I heard this from Brother Stone King, God does not move except through, God does nothing except through prayer. It's when people come to God and humble themselves at the altar and say, God, I cannot fix this. I need you. And God meets us at the altar place. But let me tell you something, altars require sacrifice. And I'll explain more later on. You see, in the New Testament, we no longer build physical altars. Thank God. That's why today, you don't see animal. That's why you don't see any tabernacle, seven by seven foot, you know, a, a Yao Ming size, a big altar here in this place. You don't see any fire burning. Thank God. Otherwise, you know, we won't be allowed to stay in GV. We don't see altars here, but we have invisible altars. And those invisible altars happens in your heart this morning. We all have an invisible altar where we, where we choose, we make choices between our flesh and what God wants. You see, an altar is now commonly known to us as a place where we meet God in prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 6. Let's read. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The altar that we talk about this morning is the secret place of prayer where you meet with God. I'm submitting to you that every generation needs a place where they meet with God in private. You see, there are two types of altars in the Bible. We have what we call the ceremonial public altar. This is the altar which I talked about where you enter the tabernacle plan and all the children of Israel will bring all their sacrifices there and everybody get together and the priests will administer the sacrifice and Israel will see the glory of God fall down and bless the whole nation. But the Bible talks about a second altar. It's called a common private altar. You see, this common private altar is very different because it is a place that's a lot simpler. It's not that complicated, okay? Maybe it doesn't have the setup, don't have drums, don't have piano, don't need speaker, don't need pulpit, don't need aircon sometimes. It's a simpler setup where the individual will take whatever they have, wherever they are, and they meet with God. You see, it is important for everyone here this morning that we come to the house of God to worship and to praise, to pray and hear the Word of God. We do that once a week. Or sometimes you come for Tuesday night prayer meeting, we do it twice a week. Okay, thank God. But my question is this. What happens to the other five days? Where is the meeting of God in the other five days? We need a common private altar. Or let me put it in simple terms. We need a personal time of prayer in our private lives. Because I want God to not just to be the God of my church. I need God to be the God of my home. I need God to be the God of my family. I need God to be the God in my business. I need God to be the God in my life. And it takes more than just building an altar every Sunday. But every day, there has to be a desire in our hearts. They say, God, I need to meet with you. Because without you, God, I can do nothing. You can form an altar. For some of you, it could be in the beach. when you walk down the streets of East Coast and you pray. I know some of you are very creative, you know, you like to cycle and then you go some corner and then you pray, you know, in the park and some of you pray in the forest, Singapore don't know where forest, you know. Some of you like to pray in the toilet, God bless you, if you can stand the smell, wear your mask and pray there. Hey, you don't laugh when people pray in the toilet, that's like army where to pray, right? I pray in the toilet, okay? That's the only place, I pray in the bunk, my friends going to be like, hey, what are you doing bro, you know? And it distract me, so I had to go to the toilet and pray, okay? I'm the toilet cleaner in army, so it's okay, it's very clean, Okay? You see, the reason why we need to build an altar for ourselves because the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvellous light. You know, Tabernacle of Joy, I, I, I love Tabernacle of Joy so much. And, and you know, you guys have been my home church you know, since I was a youth, I was very attracted, as you all know, to the way y'all worship when I first came. Very attracted with you know how liberally you guys worship, you guys not scared to raise hands, dance, and stuff like that. You know, I, I really hated the COVID days because COVID didn't allow us to move around very much. I hate it's very dangerous sometimes to dance there because you might just fall off, you know, and then we're gonna pray for healing for you guys. Okay, I understand that, okay. So I, I'm not judging y'all for you know struggling. Understand? I sometimes lose my balance as well, okay? But every part of me really, really misses when we just come down and we don't care what people think. And we would just dance before the Lord. And the presence of God would just come and fill the house of unhindered praise. But let me tell you this thing that I really like the Apostolic Church about. More than, I love their doctrine, by the way. Their doctrine is amazing, it's the truth. But I love the Apostolic Church for one thing the prayer warriors. You know, I've been, to, I'm from different, I've been to many, many different forms of Christianity. I have never met a group of people that knew how to pray. And all my generation, we grew up, I'm talking to the old timers here, again. Okay? I won't say old timers, we're not that old, you know? But you've been in the atmosphere of this before. I was raised up, I'm not a prayer warrior. I, I don't claim to be an expert in prayer, okay? Don't ever feel that I'm an expert. I'm always learning. But I remember watching, growing up, Bishop Willoughby. You remember last time in Chinatown Point, we used to wake up at 6am eh, And we come before service. You all come service at 9 o'clock, can Calcutta take our time come here, right? Oh, I remember last time at 6am, Bishop said, you all must sleep 10pm on Saturday. And I want you to come early to pray and make this place a house of prayer. And all of us, we would drag ourselves in Chinatown Point. You know, I remember last time, I, I, I was still single. Lah, so very easy. time I, I wake up late, I still take taxi. You know how desperate I am to come on time? I take taxi to church. Eh. And I was a poor student. so I mean, Never mind. But it was so exciting. I come here, I set up all the chairs for Chinese ministry first. Then I rush in. And guess who's the first person I always see? Old timers. Who's the first one in prayer meeting all the time? Sister Katani. Some of you don't know, Sister Katani, I know you are there. Can you lift up your hands? That's Sister Katani. I want you to remember something. If you forget anything that I have to say today, we need more Sister Katanis in the house of God. I honour you, Sister Katani, every morning, 6am, without fail on Sunday, when I was a young 21, or 19 years old, I would come every morning and I would see the first one in the door. eh. Sister Katani always sit facing the stage, the right side, the first row there. In front of the railing. She's always there. And I always say, I don't know how you get there on time. Your bus will you come very early. Because no matter how early I try, you always beat me to the prayer, to the prayer room. I say, yeah, Tani. And who's the second guy I always see? My good friend in front, Jonah. <laughs> and you know what Jonah is always doing? Yeah, like he's praying. But We you know what he do? He always take the dustbin. You know, don't know but Jonah always that dustbin and he will pick up all the rubbish from the altar. And he'll clear the trash of the front row. Eh. Because he knows that all of you will come down to the altar to, you know like, we all go on our knees, we slobber, our nose will be there. You know how dirty the carpet is and you all put your face there. Some of you are struggling with pimples, right? Because your face is down on the ground. And how many legs have stepped on this place and the years, 20 years of snot. You remember last, I remember one time I was at the altar, I was praying. I was praying, right? You know something? I was so unconscious of my surroundings. I was stepping on Suwan's hair. She was behind me and I stepped on her hair and she, she was praying for very long. And people were like, why is someone praying so long? Because she can't get up. I forced her to pray in the presence of God. I stepped on her hair and she was like, Ugh. she told me afterwards, Sam, you know, I couldn't get up from the altar because you were stepping on my hair. I was like, oops. Hey, you got an extra few minutes with God, okay? Don't blame me. Memories, you know? So I remember, Sikantani, you were there in the morning and Bishop Willoughby was always there. He were, Bishop was always in the front. That's how time we got this big flower and he was sit in the front. He always, you know Bishop will always sit cross-legged in the front, right? And he would always pray. This after he, he would stand up and he walk. And sometimes he would sing, he would dance, he would worship, he would hallelujah. I, oh, those were the days of morning prayer. But the, and we always played the old songs. Those songs, uh, repeat more one eh. I can tell you every song we heard heard that day, every morning. But it's fine. Sister Dowdy. Have you met Sister Dowdy? Sister Judy Dowdy. Bishop Willoughby's, uh, Sister Willoughby's mentor. When she came to lead us in prayer, I have never met anyone who has changed my life so much in praying. In DCD, all of us in the front praying in early morning prayer. I will come in, sometimes I'm late. I will hear this lady She's hidden. You all won't see her. She's somewhere between chairs and she's flat out on the ground with a handkerchief in front of her head. And I could hear her praying, groaning in the spirit, which I'll explain what that is. She will cry out to God. And I remember I walked past her, right? I felt goosebumps. I like, wow, i got goosebumps? Huh? What's, what's that, that I felt? And I looked down and I saw this lady crying and praying before the Lord. And I'm like, whoa, I want that. And I remember in a Tuesday night prayer meeting. The prayer meeting that you all think Tuesday night not important. Let me tell you something. I got my call of God from Tuesday night prayer meeting. And I was in Tuesday night prayer meeting and pastor asked Sister Dowdy to lead us in prayer meeting. You remember that time Sister Dowdy led us on Tuesday night prayer meeting and she will hold the mic and she will pray. She taught us how to groan in the Spirit. She taught us that, oh, you know, how to to express. The Bible says, you know, we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit will pray through us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Sister Willoughby taught us how to groan from the hearts and the depths of our souls. And when she prayed, I remember that prayer meeting, from the start to the end, I felt God so strong, right? I went out to the front of the altar and I went on my knees and I said, God, I want you, God. And I felt so, I couldn't get up there. Like, it was there. Everybody was on their seats. I was at the corner praying. Some people were also praying at the corner. And then we were all like, oh, God!" And I remember at the end of that prayer meeting, Sister Dowdy came down. And Sister Pastor was, of course, you know, asking, okay, everyone, can we come and pray for Sister Dowdy? Lay hands on her and stuff. Sister Dowdy, uh, she broke all protocols of what a church service should be. She went straight to me. I remember that very instant. She went straight to me. She stood me up, right? And she just put her hand, Pah! and she lay hands on me, and she prayed. She groaned in the spirit, and I felt something just... Poof! Ever since that day, right? Every time I intercede and pray for nations or pray for whatever, I could hear Sister Dowdy's voice ringing in my ears. Eh? I picked up a spirit of prayer that I never felt before. It all happened in the prayer. Some people say, Brother Sam, teach me how to pray. You cannot learn prayer in a book sometimes you want to learn how to pray, you go to a prayer meeting and you pray together with the man of God and you will catch something. Because prayer is not just taught. Prayer is oftentimes caught. It's caught. It's caught when you spend time with people that know how to pray. Bishop Ellis taught us the importance of a prayer closet. Our current bishop right now, pastor, if you know what Pastor Tim is known for, Pastor is known. He taught me real conversational prayer. Where sometimes prayer is not, yes, there's a structure to prayer, but Pastor taught me sometimes, like he said, you know, hallowed be your name. Pastor starts off his prayer, hallowed what's your name. There is conversational prayer where you come to God in realness. When there's no structure, he say, God, I'm having a bad day, and we just talk. Pastor taught me how, that I can come to God as a real person and just talk to him. One more person I want to mention. Pastor Mangan and Sister Mangan, whom we need to pray for, you know, they went through a car accident recently. When I was in the Pentecostals of Alexandria, they taught me how to pray the tabernacle plan. One day I will, you know, I have a chance, I'll talk about the tabernacle plan and they gave me how to pray in a structural way. And I remember when I prayed with Brother Mangan through the tabernacle, I felt the glory of God come. It's like, before service is It's incredible. Before service, right, you have a whole bunch of almost like 50 to 100 people in the prayer room before service. They were not checking their emails. They're not watching their phones. They're not, there's a culture, right? That they would just come. Everybody would come one hour or half an hour before service and you see the whole prayer room packed in and everybody is praying for the service. And when you enter into the auditorium, the presence of God was already there. There's no need for the musician to work out something. It was there. I want to say this. What you feel here in this place is not dependent on the one holding the mic. It's dependent on faithful saints like what I mentioned, Sister Katani, who will come before and they will spend time saying God bless those that come into Tabernacle of Joy. Those who are struggling with doubt, Lord, I pray that when they come here, they feel faith those who have sickness or someone at home that is sick, when they come here, they will leave and go home and see their loved ones healed. When they come into the house of God, you got depression. I've been to services where I, I was going through a really down period. The moment I step in, poof, it just lifts off. That is not intellectual. That is not the sermon. That's not my preaching. It is the presence of God that comes down. And we can have that tabernacle of joy, but we need to build an altar. Maybe that's the feeling, the feeling that I have towards these elders was the feeling that the disciples had towards Jesus when they asked Jesus this question, Jesus, teach me to pray. He didn't say, Jesus, teach me to do miracles. Teach me to heal the sick. The disciples were smart. They knew the reason why He could do all these things. His secret was because Jesus had a secret place of prayer. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Now in the morning, having risen up, A long while before daylight, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. You see, every generation needs an altar. I want to share a very interesting story that you all know, very familiar the story of Abraham and Isaac, Genesis 22. Let me go through quickly. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. And the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Dad, or my father, here I am, my son. I don't know how you can talk to your, your kid like that. Lauren, here I am, you know. No. Then he said, look, I see the fire. I see the wood but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. And two of them went together. You know what caught my attention? A lot of time when you look at this story, you always say, oh, you know, Abraham, great man of God. God said, go sacrifice. And he just took his son there and let's sacrifice his son. But what caught my attention is not Abraham, it was Isaac. Isaac was 18 years old to 21 years old when he went up Moriah with his father Abraham. And let me tell you something. From the way they talk, This is not the first time Isaac went together with Abraham. They have been this route before. Isaac is probably all his life, when his father was going to worship God and building an altar, it's just like, you know, like Sister Lynette, you're carrying a baby, you you know, in your your hands, coming to church. Maybe Isaac, when he was a baby, and Abraham, you know, maybe Sarah needed to go for some massage or some, you know, you know, some wives, you know, need some massage and relax. Abraham said, okay, okay I, bring the, I bring Isaac, okay? I bring him to Moriah and I'm going to um, uh, pray to God with Isaac. You know, it's like, you know, you know Ta'i is carrying Maddie to service. Isaac knew what it took to build an altar because he asked the question, hey, Dad, I always see you carry wood, I always see you carry fire, but this time around, huh, something is missing in this whole process that we've all been doing. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb, dad? You know what this story tells me? Abraham has successfully transferred his walk with God, his altar building practices to the next generation. I want to encourage the parents that are here with your babies and moms. you are dragging them. And parents, Abraham had to drag his son uh, to sacrifice. Just as you are dragging your kids to the house of God every Sunday. You think it's easy. It is not easy. And then you have to carry the donkey. That's your pram. Then you got to carry the wood. That's your your bags. You are carrying a donkey, your pram, your bags, the wood. You're carrying your own carcass. And you have to carry your son, your daughters, into the house of the Lord to worship and I want to encourage you this morning. But that's the only way for them to learn yeah. how to build an altar. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday night prayer meeting will resume soon. I don't know when. Pastor will know when to start. And it will take sacrifices to bring your child. Yeah. I brought Lauren to call to war and we did the overnight thing. I do. I confess. I bathed her in the baptism thing. I mean there's the only baby there, there's nowhere else to do it, guys. I had no choice. But we dragged her there. And in call to war, you know, Bishop, right when he prayed, wow, it's like everything, you no know, war it's like intense. And you see my baby there sleeping. I don't know how she can sleep through the noise. There's something about the altar that children like to come to pray and sleep on. You want your kid to sleep, you bring them to the altar, they will sleep. People say, oh, you know, kids have to sleep in service. Great news! This is the one time it applies your babies. But Abraham taught his son how to worship because he took him wherever he went. It was as though that very morning, Abraham was telling Isaac, his son, Isaac, all my life, I have given my entire life to worship God. Today is the day for you to take over and sacrifice yourself. Because every generation needs an altar. This was the last act that Abraham did before he died. He passed on the walk with God that he had to his son. I speak to my pots. I speak to the hyphens. My generation, Bishop Willoughby, has built an altar He has sacrificed early morning prayer. He has come early to worship. He worshipped even though he had cancer. He lifted up the only hand he could lift with his whole body paralyzed. And he taught us that we can dance before the Lord and worship before the Lord and sacrifice to the Lord. And that's why we can enjoy what we have in Tabernacle of Joy today. The elders in this church, you have prayed with us, you have sacrificed. I heard of offerings taken from shoes. It's crazy i heard of your stories. But it's not enough for Abraham to learn how to build an altar. It's not enough for Isaac to know how to build an altar. Jacob's got to learn how to build an altar as well. Because you can't rely on your parents' faith. Because God loves you. God wants to meet with you and God wants to bless your family and bless you. Your dad has brought the blessings of God to the home. If you don't own this, Who's going to bring that blessing to your family in the future? Every generation needs an altar. Can I get an amen? Yeah. I want to read this quickly. Jacob. Jacob was a third generation believer. He was. I'll summarize this whole passage. Just show the verse. I'll just summarize it. Jacob just had an encounter with God where he, he met with the angels of the Lord going up and down the ladder. He was so amazed by this experience with God. The Bible tells us that he was so awed by, the, by this, this, whole, this whole dream that he had of a ladder setting up to heaven and earth where angels descended and ascended. And in verse 17, it tells us, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? How awesome. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven verse 18 then jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had placed at his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it jacob called this place where he saw this supernatural occurrence he said, this is the house of god and he built a pillar to the lord i used to read this and say wow good job jacob you built a pillar as a memorial fantastic what a good act that you did and then it came, occurred to me, wait, he built a pillar. But unlike his dad, he didn't build an altar. There's a big difference between building a pillar and an altar. A pillar is a place, a memorial to mark something amazing that has happened. But in a the pillar, there is no humbling, no prayer, no calling on the name of the Lord, no sacrifice, no relationship. I have been to camps, services, where I just stood there and I'm in awe. Wow, look at the service. The presence of God came down. Fantastic. Wow, I see this person being touched, crying, amazing. And I say, wow, this is the best DCD, the best LTD I've uh, living the different youth camp that I've ever been in my life. It will always be in my memory as the best. I built a pillar. But we can grow up our lives attending service after service and it only becomes a good memory of something great that happened. But we still need to build an altar. If after the DCD, there is no desire to say, God, I felt you in the service. Now can you come to my house and can I feel your presence in my home? Jacob had to go through a humbling process. The Bible says that he wrestled with the angel, right? And he was broken before the Lord. It was after that breaking that we read later that Jacob finally built an altar. When Jacob wrestled with the angel, we can learn four things from his wrestling. Number one, if you want to have a touch from God, you have to hold on to God longer than your flesh would want to. That means sometimes in the morning, you know, or in the afternoon or the night when you pray to the Lord, your flesh will fight and says, I am wasting my time here. But if you want to touch from God, you got to hold on to God longer than your flesh wants to hold on. And say, God, I'm not leaving this place. You know, for the past two weeks, I was really struggling. Well, in fact, since COVID started, I felt very disorientated in prayer. It's like maybe because we didn't have our physical prayer meetings, maybe we didn't have the time to come to the altar to worship. I had a hard time just you know, feeling that connection with God that I used to have. And I fought so hard. Like, I said, God... And it's all with my kids. You know, they're going to school and the responsibilities, especially with the parent. Wow, you're so overwhelmed with the responsibility. He said, God, I don't feel you anymore. And there's this fighting. Eh? I said, God, I, I want to pray. I want to connect. But there's no desire. There's no flow, God. I... I uh. And then you go to the prayer room and you're, sometimes you're dreading it because you know it's just going to be emptiness. Eh? But I know that Jacob had this, had this thing where he held on to the, to the angel of the Lord and says, I won't let you go till you bless me. And I submit to you that if you really want to connect with God, sometimes when the, when the preacher says, let's have an altar call and then you pray and you connect and then suddenly you see hey, the music die down, people are starting to leave the service. You know something, it's important that sometimes you don't just stop the moment, okay, I'm done and walk away. Sometimes you just got to hold on to God and say, God, I'm not leaving this altar right until you touch me, Lord. Because when God sees the desire that says, I will go beyond what my flesh is telling me to go. And I just want to get a hold of you. I'm holding on, God. I'm not letting you go until you leave. Yeah. And that was the experience I felt when I was in, you know, my brother Tony barely did this lock-in and I was on my knees and I prayed. and said, God, I don't want to let you go. And when His presence came, I said, God, stay longer. Stay longer. Stay longer. I remember I was there and I was, it was two hours I was praying. I don't know what happened. I thought it was 15 minutes. I thought, okay, 15 minutes, you know, quick prayer and then move on. When I got out from the prayer room, Pastor and Bishop were looking at me and they said, do you know you've been there for two hours? I said, what? Two hours? I, I finished the entire movie? on my knees. It felt like 15 minutes. I said, God, why is it that your prayer times feels like 15 minutes when you just went through because in the presence of God, you step into the realm of eternity and there is no time in God's eternity. So you lose track of time. and That's the place of prayer you can get to. When you pray so much and the presence of God comes and suddenly you lost track of time and you're, before long you were there for two hours in the loving presence of your Father and He fills you up. He cleanses you. He gives you that new perspective. You come out of that place. You say, wow, I've been in God's presence. Wow, two hours. It just felt like 10 minutes because it's a supernatural. Jacob's wrestling taught us that our victory comes by just one touch. It's a breaking touch. Jacob's wrestling teaches us that after God touches you, you will never walk the same. And Jacob's wrestling taught us sometimes the victory is in the defeat. Because sometimes to find that secret place with God, the altar, you need to go through some defeats in your life because you will never go to pray and seek God until you have a need, right? Jacob had a need. He was at a Horrible relationship with his brother. His brother was coming to kill him and he got desperate and he says, God, and that's how I found my secret place. In, in, in JC, I, you know, I retained, I failed my first year in exams. I had to repeat and I was so lonely, I was in depression and it was at that point I climb up the rooftop and said, God, I have no friends left. God, you're the only one that I have and every day, I will hide myself in depression at the top of ACJC rooftop. The cleaners will go up and they see this boy at the rooftop thinking I'm going to jump. I said, no, I'm not jumping. I don't know why, Pastor. I had the same story. He was walking in the expressway. I was on the rooftop of a school, and I was there, God. And I, I always imagine there's this cloud on the top. Say, God, you are that cloud. I talk to the cloud. People think I'm I'm I'm, I'm crazy. Eh. I say, God, I talk to you, God. I know no friends, eh. but every day I will go there. I write letters to God. I will cry. I say, God, you know i have no friends. You know I'm just being a, a sour. You know just very depressed. And, and, and unknowingly, that secret place of prayer was being birthed. Some of you go army. Remember the army days when you all walked to the army camps? Boys. No girls. Lonely. No church. You had your Bibles and all you had was you and God in the army camp. But still, if you got kind of confined, you're the only one in the camp. Right, Elvin? You probably got confined a lot. now, i kidding. <laughs> but I'm sure those moments were the times when you talked to God. The most spiritual moments was the army. Because in, the, in your defeat, that's where the victory starts. See, altars are important in our lives because without altars, with an altar, the altar is the place where we keep God at the center of our lives. Without an altar, we easily turn to idols. In the days of Elijah, an altar was the, the, the altar was neglected and broken down. As a result, not only were they worshipping Jehovah, they worshipped Baal. Notice, the children of Israel did not totally forsake Jehovah. The issue was they worshipped Jehovah and another god called Baal. Why? Because they neglected the altar. And Elijah the prophet had to come down in 1 Kings 18 verse 21. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. So what did Elijah do? Elijah commanded the people rebuild the altar. And First Kings eighteen thirty, Elijah said to all the people, "Come near to me." And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And when the altar was rebuilt, the fire of God consumed the prophets of Baal. Sacrifice, uh, uh, prophets of Baal. When you rebuild the altar you also destroy idolatry in your life. You see, the altar is a beautiful place. I said so much about the altar, but let me tell you why it's so beautiful. Because the altar is a place that at your lowest point of your life, you will always be able to find God. And it's there where you find hope. Many men of God in the Bible found God in the most toughest places. John was on the island of Patmos It was a felon colony with murderers and prisoners. But even in that prison, he saw God high and lifted up. The Alpha and Omega. Paul, in the prison cell, said these words, Lord, that I may know you. John the Baptist heard a voice from heaven and saw the dove. No one else saw it. Why? Because John the Baptist had an altar. So brother Sam, you say so much about altar. How do I build altars then? How do I start? First of all, the first place you must start off is not just doing it. Because sometimes I know, I tell my kids, can you go and study? And then the next day, I see them, they never study. Why you never study? Go and study. So I keep focusing on the behaviour. Go and study, go and study, go and study. But they must own it for themselves, right? The first place to build an altar is to ask God, Lord, renew my first love. Renew my first love, Lord. Revelations 2 verse 5, Remember therefore, where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Go back. Bada Ban said, go back to your early whisperings. Go back to the places where you first met God. Was it Chinatown point? Then go back to Chinatown, have a look. Walk the streets of Hong Lim. Now our altar is now a kapak. It's depressing. You know, every Monday you see me on Instagram, I'll post, I'm going East Coast, I'm going East Coast. Do you really think I like to travel one and a half hours to the East from the West? Do you really think I love my kids so much I will go all the way to East Coast to let them play the sand on my off day? Yes, I love them, but not, not one and a half hours long. Do you know why I go East Coast? East Coast. Because that was the place where I used to pray every morning when I was in the east side. And I said, when I wanted to meet with God, I go back to the east. And when I go to the east, I thought my blood pressure goes down. Maybe because I'm closer to the airport than the schools. I don't know why, east people, you live a very amazing life. All the Easterners, you are near airport. You are near the best beach in Singapore. Everyone there is wearing berms and slippers and stuff like that. And all we people in the west, we are dressed up for school, man. So the east side is best side. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Promotion. Uh. I still to live in the west. Uh. I got my kids staying there. But I went to the east side. Wow, I tell you, I was like, I remember I stepped in east coast, right? I reconnected to God. Uh, like, wow, why so quick? Uh? Because it's where I first found him. The first place I asked my wife to call me was in Niam Poly Library. Maybe I need to go back there and get some, get my fire back. <laughs> you know? Last time when you part off with your, 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 your boyfriend, girlfriend last time, with your husband and wife. Go back to those places. Because in those places, that's the when the memories come back. So that I, I've been going East Coast to rekindle my first love again. Number two, you want to build an altar? Start with thanksgiving and praise. I don't know how to tell you this. In Psalms 104, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. Thanksgiving has a way of bringing us back to focus with God. This morning, the past few mornings, I woke up, I dropped my kids off in school, on my way back home to work, I walk the park, and I just take some time, I say, God, I thank you. You see, I always tell my kids, wherever you go, you leave the taxi, right? always thank the uncle. When someone serves you with the food, always look at the waiter and say, thank you for giving me the food. I just had to enforce it because you know, you know oh, I realise I'm old generation. Okay? Oh, these entitled brats, ah, they don't thank me. Ah. You know, all these they they say, you can, If people do anything for you at all, just say thank you because if you don't say thank you, you will think that you deserve it. And so I'm so hard on my kids on this Thanksgiving thing and God says, Where's the, do you thank me at all for anything? I say, God, I, I'm the entitled bread. <laughs> Just because you live in you know, Singapore, you are so blessed. We have food shortage. I don't see food shortage in my... I mean, there are people that are struggling with food and we, we need to bless and help them. But I'm pretty sure everyone that's seated here today, most of you, you don't struggle with food shortage as much as most people do in the world. You have a lot. You have a house, you have a job, you have homes. And sometimes I think I'm entitled to these things, forgetting that it is the God that caused you to be born into this family. So this this way I say, God, I don't des- i could be born in any other country in this world, but you put me here. You put me in, and you allowed me to hear the truth. You allowed me to come to T.J. I don't deserve this, God. And suddenly God becomes very real. Number three. You want to build an altar. Decide on a fixed time and place. Make an appointment. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out into and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. Choose a place and choose a time and go and meet. If you don't make an appointment with God, very likely we won't even start. In fact, at the end of this service, you can hear what I'm preaching, whatever I said. But my, my desire is that at the end of the altar call, you put down in your phone, reminder, alarm, an appointment with God. Put the time and decide on a place and go there. Don't worry of what you need to say. Don't worry of what's going to happen there. Just go first. Disconnect and just meet with God. Number four, my last one. When you're in that prayer room at the altar, be real with God. This is what pastor taught me. Don't try to be someone else. Talk as though you're talking to what you normally talk to. Say, Lord, here I am, Lord. Sometimes I tell God, God, you're quite quiet. Lah. I talk more than you talk. Can you just say something? I literally talk to God like that. Like, Can you just say something? You know, they ah, never mind, Lord. It's okay that we just silent and chill at one corner. And sometimes in prayer, you don't need to say much. Sometimes me and my wife, the, the closest moment I had before is not, we don't talk one. Sometimes we just go to a place, we sit down. Sometimes after, you know, youth ministry, we're tired. And we just sit down and just eat ice cream quietly. And we're like, you just hear me. It's like, ah, distress. She's there. Hey, if you rely on a feeling to pray, you will never pray. I'm sure you woke up this morning, right? You didn't feel the presence of your husband or your wife. Oh, I feel goosebumps, man. Brenda, you're there. If you rely on a feeling to pray, you won't pray. You don't feel goosebumps to your loved ones when you wake up in the morning. So why do you expect to feel goosebumps when you come to God all the time? You know that He's there. It's an act of faith. Because God says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And that's the only promise you need to hear this morning. If you make a choice to draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Maybe if you take the step of faith, the goosebumps will come later. But let me tell you, 50% of the time when I pray, I feel nothing. But I feel the presence of God still. That He's there. It is not some DCD moment where ha, 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 ha. Sometimes my prayer time is quiet, man. It's just me and God. But at the end of the moment, when I sit there with God, I say, God, this is me and you time. And I leave the place. I can feel the presence of God. And God will just speak a soft word to me and says, today is going to be a good day for you because I'm with you. And they say, brother Sam, but sometimes in prayer, I feel very distracted. Well, good news. That's why the Bible gives us structured prayer. He gave us the Lord's Prayer. We gave us the tabernacle plan, the prayer of JBS. There are many prayers in the Bible that we can learn. Here's a, a pro tip, okay? Sometimes I don't know how to pray. I take the Lord's Prayer. Our Father I'm in Heaven. Okay, that part talks about what? It's about praise. If you want to learn how to pray, you got to make an effort to read up on it and, and study it. You know, it's like, for example, you know, you have your work with living logos, right? You know, in TJ, we have this called living logos. Do you know if you actually do living logos? I think Spiritual Growth 2, lesson 1 to 4. That's how I learned last time. Last time I first came to Jay, I don't know how to pray. I said, why wow, everybody pray so long, so loud, right? I don't know how to pray. Eh? Then I took my living logos out, right? And he says, oh, this is how you start off praying. It literally word for word teach you how to start the process. Say, Brother Sam, you know, you read the prayer off, not sincere, right? Hey, when you start to learn how to pray, sometimes you going to read off the Psalms first. You read the prayer out first. You get, you get a rough idea of how others do it. Then later, as you read the Psalms out, how people pray, right? You put in your own words in. Then it becomes your prayer. So I will take the Psalms of David and I will say, okay God, okay I learned to pray. Like what? You know, all this every Sunday morning the MC, right? The MC got a lot of good verses. They always take the Psalms 1, 4, 5, whatever verses and they will read off the prayer. Young people, I didn't teach you how to start off. You say you don't know how to pray. You don't know what words to say. The Bible has a prayer book called the book of Psalms. You go and take Psalms 1, Psalms 2, Psalms 3 and just read it off as your own prayer. If you practice this long enough, you will learn how to talk to God yourself. Then later on, you branch out. You put your own version in. Instead of saying, Oh, thou great God who made the heavens and the earth. Oh God, the one that gave me coffee, and the one that gave me chocolate. Thank you, the Lord. You make it your own. You make it Singaporean. Because I don't expect you to talk about the Lord is my shepherd. Because we don't have sheep here sometimes. Sometimes. You, you can put it your own way. The Lord is my, I don't know. You know, whatever that, 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 that relates to you. And then you learn how to pray. I close with this and after this we all stand. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Let me close with the blessings of building an altar. If you read the Bible close enough, you will notice that in Scriptures, altars always go together with wells. Altars always goes together with wells. You read just now, when Abraham and Isaac built an altar, the servants will go behind him and start building a well. In John chapter 4, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, they call that well Jacob's well. But it's funny that if you look at the entire Bible, you will find nowhere in Scripture that Jacob ever built a well. Jacob only built altars because the principle is this. If you will build an altar, someone will build you a well. What do wells represent? Wells represent financial blessing. Wells represent refreshing. Wells represent living waters. Jacob did not focus on building a well. He focused on building an altar because the principle is If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. Do you know that if your prayer life is focused on the things that God wants you to pray, your own personal prayer needs are automatically answered, even though sometimes you don't even need to ask. Because the principle has always been true. If you will learn to build an altar, God will build you a well. Can we all stand? I know the topic on prayer is a tough one because who likes altars anyway like if I'm an animal right you ask me go to the altar there's no animal that will just willingly you know just put themselves in the fire and oh yay great it feels good to be there no animal will like this and I remember from, 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 from pastor he said that sometimes altar calls you don't feel anything why because God doesn't want you to rely on a feeling some altar cause is based on commitment. You make a choice. Especially altar calls of repentance and altar cause of commitment. It's no feeling one. Right? It's never happened throughout Tabernacle of Joy. Because you have to choose first to come. Then the fire will come down and consume. And this morning, this is my call. My altar call especially to the generation that has never built an altar before mommy and daddy has learned how to pray early morning prayer they have felt the miracles of god in their life every morning they pray for you they talk to god they pray for their families but there's a new generation that has to follow what isaac did and now he has to take the sacrifice himself and learn how to have a private time with God. If you're new in Tabernacle of Joy, don't worry. Say, Brother I don't know how to start. slowly. If you never heard who God is and stuff, we have this thing called unlocking the Bible. Okay, TJ has this thing called unlocking the Bible. Where people who don't know God at all have no concept what altar, what are all these stories you're telling me, Brother Sam? Great, I'm glad I confused you. It just lets you know you need to go for a Bible study. <laughs> Amen. I put so many Bible stories there is to let you know if you don't know a single thing of the story that I just said Unlocking the Bible is here for you Tabernacle of Joy has this you know simple lessons that we cover foundational topics in the Bible we cover things like salvation who is God you know what is the tabernacle plan how do I pray all these topics in this thing called Unlocking the Bible and we give it free for all those who are interested we have a teacher that will plan your time and day and we just spend one hour with you Sharing the word of God to build a foundation, because sometimes people struggle to pray, It's because they don't know the God whom they are praying to. I don't want you to just build an altar. What's the focus? Pastor said this: Do not put your faith in prayer. Put your faith in the God whom you're praying to. So I don't want us to build an altar but don't know the God that we are praying to. That's not the goal. Remember he said the the, the people you know in Acts they built an altar to the unknown God. You go for U T B first find out who god is and when you know who god is i guarantee you you'll fall in love with him because he's the most lovable character in the entire world he loves you he died for you he loves you so much and when you get to know god then you go and build the altar because when you love god and you know him you want to meet with him you want to spend time with him he's a cool guy he will tell you the things that you need to know in fact the problem that you, the questions you have right now what do i do what do i do at the altar god will speak the direction that you need. But for the rest of us who know who God is, maybe your altars have been, I won't say neglected, but you haven't visited for a while. Maybe COVID distractions and stuff. Okay, I understand. But it's not too late to restart the process of building an altar every day. Choose a time and place and tell God, Lord, I want that first love. Come back and then make an appointment. I'm going to make an altar call right now how I wish I can make y'all come to the front I can't so I want you to look at the spot that is next to you anywhere even if you take a step to the right okay God this is my altar okay make an altar at wherever you're at and you put yourself there and say God I surrender myself again because I want to know you I want to meet with you young people this is your first time trying it out do it don't think too much just do it and if you want to say hi god i'm here that's all you need to say can we chat can we talk can we do that right now father let's make an altar right now father we we take a step towards our altars this morning and lord first of all i thank you i thank you lord because what a privilege it is that the god of the universe Will want to spend time alone with me Lord I've been there before I've been to moments where I felt the strong move of God in my life and Jesus I long and I desire to not to go through the motions of Christianity but to have an encounter with the God of Christianity Jesus And Lord, this morning, God, I'm rebuilding the altars in my life. And I surrender my body as a living sacrifice because I was bought with a price. Your love paid a price for me this morning. And I want to meet with you that secret place, God, where, Lord, you will clear my doubts, where you will give wisdom of how I can lead my family. Lord, I need wisdom, oh God, and I'm not... I'm not big enough oh God to, to, to have it all figured out God but I know at the altar that's where you speak oh God and, and Jesus I, I, I don't want to put my faith in the altar I, I put my faith in you I I, I built the altar because I want to meet you God and father this morning God would you renew my first love again renew that passion renew that desire lord i bring my hurts to the altar i bring my feelings to the altar i bring every wound and offense to the altar and i say god i ask you give me the grace to forgive because lord without you god i can't do anything god and this morning god teach me how to pray i remember god the days when lord i would pray for hours god and i lose track of time Because I'm simply in your presence this morning. Come on, guys, take some time just to talk to God. Don't, you don't need to. I mean, it's okay to pray for one another, but you don't need to if you don't want to. This is a personal commitment that you're making with God right now. Lord, I choose you, God. I choose, oh God. Come on, young people. Don't be afraid to make start building your own altars right now come on your Abrahams your dads in your life they have brought you to prayer meetings they have brought you to church services but it's time to put yourself at the altar and start going to Moriah yourself start doing it for yourself is say, God I see the wood, I see the fire but I am the sacrifice Lord and I know the blessing that when I put myself there, Lord, you are there. Come on, don't worry about the person that's next to you. Just, just pray. Some of you want to pray for your, your loved ones. If, you have a, if your child is here, you want to pray for them. Why don't you lay hands on them right now? Come on, I'm, I'm concerned. I, I, I want to pray that God will teach every generation to know how to pray. If you're new in the house of the lord let it, allow us to pray for you that god will teach you how to pray come on you don't need a pastor to stand in the gate to pray for you sometimes you know it's okay that pastors pray for you but it's good that you know how to pray for yourself and get a hold of god because god wants to meet with you this morning thank
1: you jesus we love you god You are the Prince of Peace, O God. Jesus name.
0: Jesus name. Jesus name. That's it. I see some of the young people praying. That's beautiful, guys. Come on.
1: We have time this
0: morning. We have time this morning. Come on hold on to God longer than your flesh wants to that's what Jacob did Lord I will not let you go till you bless me come on that's the blessing of Jacob I will not let you go till you bless me I'm holding on to you even though my flesh says eh, it's time to eat lunch Lord I'm not letting go of you right now <speaking in Hebrew> my house shall be called a house of prayer because in the prayer in the house of prayer that's when miracles begin to happen in the house of prayer that's when God begins to consume us and to cleanse us <speaking in Hebrew> that's when the gifts of the spirit begins to flow. Come on, Tabernacle of joy. You know what it's like to worship Him. Don't be afraid of the supernatural because God is a is a gentle God. He's not going to force Himself on you, but He comes by invitation. If you say, "God, come in," He will
1: come. Come on, eradarama sotoro ro ro bashata radarama sati eradarama sati eradarama sotie eradarama kaye.
0: Iraba kore radarama shata radarama shati. Come on, it's your first time praying. Say, Jesus, I want to learn to know you. Teach me how to pray, God. Teach me how to communicate with you, God.
1: Radoro bo sotara sati
0: there's a promise God if I draw near to you you will draw near to us I
1: claim that promise right now
0: if you came with a need why don't you bring it to the author and say God here's my need God
1: that's it
0: That's right some of you are, are getting it right now just love him just just tell him with all honesty what you want
1: to say teach me to pray lord
0: teach me god how to pray to tap on the one resource in of heaven is backing me when I pray.
1: You are a good father, Lord. That's it. That's it. Come on. I'm not. I'm
0: not dismissing the service yet, because some of us are still trying to break through. Sometimes it's going beyond your flesh right now. If you want to pray for someone to help them connect, why don't you go ahead? But sometimes, you know, maybe you struggle with your faith this morning. But come on, why don't you write on somebody else's faith?
1: Come on. Grab a hold of God beyond what your flesh wants to right now. Ira In the name of Jesus, That's right. Thank you're Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
0: me to hear your voice God come on there's another prayer you can pray if you're new to praying, building an altar why don't you ask God Lord teach me to hear your voice because like what pastor said last week his voice is the most important voice in prayer at the altar you will hear his voice you will hear his voice thank you Jesus
1: Thank you, Jesus. That's
0: right. <laughs> Lord, we bless our babies this morning, God. That as they spend time with us at the altar, they too will know what it
1: means to grab a hold of you, God. Thank you, parents. Your sacrifice is not in vain.
0: The struggle you have this morning is not in vain. Your child will learn how to touch God for themselves, and God will bless them god will bless their home god will bless their school god will bless your studies god will bless them because your child will know what it means to be in the presence of god
1: <laughs>
0: come on tj the, my 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 fellow older saints who have been in this for a while
1: pray for us pray for the new generation <laughs> that we will learn how to build an altar for ourselves you do you Jesus. Jesus, Jesus.